everyone we're back with another week of find your film and yeah this is for the week ending friday july 15th 2022 eric holmes and and bruce perky eric holmes is calling himself this week on our youtube thing highway perk trollman and that is after what is that moniker in reference to bruce this is a, a big part of our show can you tell our listeners what this is uh, am I Eric Holmes now? I think oh, I'm sorry. I'm Eric Holmes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so tired from these d- interviews. In three... <laughs> he doesn't even recognize us. <laughs> I, wait, wait. In, in no, we don't three... need to start over. We don't no, need to start no, over. No, this no, is a no, great no. start to the podcast. Are you serious? Okay, we're going to start. Oh, look, listeners, this is how you do it. I go in three, two, one, but I screwed up. I've been... This is my excuse. I've been interviewing so many people and I've seen so many faces on my Zoom screen <laughs> that I actually called... D- D- Bruce, did I really call you Eric Holmes? Yeah. I just called you Eric Holmes right now. What, what, are oh, you, you didn't call me Eric Holmes. I didn't call Bruce you Eric Holmes. Holmes. Well, hello, Eric Holmes. Anyways, I'm joined by Eric Holmes and Eric Holmes, a.k.a. Bruce Perky. Bruce Perky <laughs> is Highway Patrolman. Bruce Perky, a.k.a. not Eric Holmes, can you tell us what your moniker for that video is in reference to for this week? Uh, well, it's because, as we mentioned in previous episodes, this week we are doing a uh, director spotlight on director alex cox and one of the movies we're doing is highway patrolman along with the more well-known repo man right is alex cox someone who's been really a big influence for you bruce growing up or like basically in 84 85 were you that teenager who really loved repo man and now years later you're kind of rewatching it or maybe you you've kind of liked alex cox over the years uh, exactly what you just said. Uh, definitely Repo Man and um, Sid and Nancy for sure kind of were big, big staples in the kind of 80s diet of movies, along with a bunch of other stuff. But definitely those were in there. So I thought uh, I didn't know too much about some of his other films, but uh, I was intrigued. Right. Eric Holmes, a.k.a. not Bruce Berkey, Mr. Holmes Goes to Paris. That is your moniker this week. Before I ask you about that moniker, have you been a fan of Alex Cox at all over these years? Um, I, I'd like to, so Repo Man, I, I think I mentioned in previous episodes, Repo Man, so there was Repo Man, Clockwork Orange, and Romper Stomper. And whenever I was hanging out with my friends and whenever they play a movie, it was always one of those three. And so Repo Man was one of those three that was like, I get it, dude, can we please watch literally anything else? <laughs> um, and so I hadn't seen Repo Man or uh, Clockwork Orange or Romper Stomper in like decades, just because I, I had my feel, I got sick of them. And recently, like within the last year, I saw uh, Clockwork Orange again and kind of uh, grew to love it again. Um, and kind of the same deal with Repo Man. So I'm going to have to go and revisit Romper Stomper now that it's been some time and I, I wasn't, you know, uh, forced like in uh, Clockwork Orange. They didn't have my eyes <laughs> <laughs> held open, making me, forcing me to watch these over and over again. But, uh, you've actually surprised me and Bruce over the last couple of weeks. Oh, actually, I'm gonna I'm I'm putting words into Bruce's mouth. The reason why I'm saying that you've surprised me and Bruce, especially me, is because you've I, I don't know you've been sort of the you're you're Mr. Paris and you're Mr. France or France. Mr. Holmes goes to Paris. Can you tell our listeners what is this about? What is that play on words for you? Uh, it's about Mrs. Harris and she goes to Paris. Mrs. Harrison goes to Paris. uh, Dress made. Uh, We'll we'll talk about more when we get into it, but it it was kind of a charming movie. 
Oh, very good. I'm I'm just hoping that be, just because you changed up that name, that is a that is that means that you kind of like the movie. I'm glad you called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris very charming. Or I put it there because I hate it. <laughs> you hate it, but no, no. I mean, last week you really enjoyed that French film. What is it? Both sides of the blade, which Bruce and I gave it a mild recommend. You were the one who actually. Yeah, I, I think we were talking about the French film Carnoctus. Carnoctus, oh, <laughs> the legend of Carnoctus. That was a movie that we will never forget. That's always going to be in our hearts. Regarding what's in our hearts, within the last week, Eric Holmes, what have you been do- doing socially with yourself? Have you been going out? I see on the Google Doc, there's a couple of pointers that you wanted to talk about for the intro, whereas Bruce and I just stayed at home and probably watched movies, there is a white space for both of us on the intro. What so you got, I, Eric? I stayed home and watched movies, but I also went to a bar to watch movies. Uh, my friend Ben Maney, he does a Coen Brothers Fest every year. It, uh, last year, it was at the Black Sheep, and this year he had it at a, a friend's bar called Vultures, which is connected to the Black Sheep. And he played, so I didn't stay for the whole thing. I, I got there halfway through inside Lewin Davis, so I saw like the last half of that. And then after that, did the Hudsucker Proxy, and then I left just before they played Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And I think he's doing another one. Like He, he does one once a year. This one he did a bit late, so the next one should come up in like February. I think I'll talk to him uh, when he's got another one coming up. If, if someone wants to come into town and watch uh, Coen Brothers movies and hang out and drink, then you know, party with me, then that'd be a good time to do it. But Is yeah, it actually that- fun watching Coen Brothers, a Coen Brothers movie like the Hudsucker Proxy with a room full of People drinking because it'll it'll be noisy. You can't concentrate on the screen. Or am I no. completely off on this? No, it's a it, it's set up kind of uh, it, it's set up to do that. So like you, you'll have the you'll have the random person come in sitting at the bar like talking a little loud. This is something you got to deal with. But for the most part, everyone there knows what time it is, and oh, it's movie time. You know, so you just kind of you, you know it, it's kind of like uh, imagine going to the bar and someone puts on an awesome movie and everyone's just kind of watching it and having fun with it. And it's Coen Brothers. Our movies usually are tend to be pretty funny, so it, yeah. it, it's a good uh, crowd crowd pleaser event, I think. And another thing I went to do, same bar, Vultures. Uh, ben Roy, he's a comedian. If anyone's seen the uh, TV show, I think it was on True TV called "Those Who Can't." It's kind of like uh, kind of similar energy to like Super Troopers, but it's uh, teachers in a school, and it's really funny. And dude, Ben Roy, he's probably one of the best stand ups ever. <laughs> I've never uh, seen his stuff. Bruce, have you seen Ben Roy at all? Or I think the first time I saw him, my brother, my brother Jason had heard of him and said, dude, this guy's playing loonies. I keep calling it the chuckle hut, but it's called loonies. And then we went and saw him. And it's like, dude, this guy's fucking hilarious. And he's just got like a bunch of energy and the, the, the stuff that he brings. Out, he's got kind of uh, similar to Bill Burr. Not, not that he's like offensive or anything like that, but the, the fact that he has actual points of views of, things he's talking about so it makes it really interesting and his new uh, his stand-up they did of vultures was just awesome <laughs> he opened the set he pulls out this pocket knife and he's basically threatening the audience it's like nobody come up here i got a pocket knife i'll cut all you motherfuckers <laughs> and he's like and then like at one point i'm not doing it justice like at all but at one point he's like look all right i'll make you guys a deal you're all safe but if you make me your leader, I'll go hit up the uh, the the fucking uh, bartender. Free drinks for everyone, and then just kind of just kind of went more nutty from there. But it, that's it very was, cool. 
it was fantastic. If you get a chance to watch, uh, he's got his stand, uh, stand-up albums on, you can find them online. But if you get a chance to see him live, holy shit, that guy's awesome. And he's a great guy, too, because I met him a couple times, and he's just a fantastic dude. He also has his band Spells. That's uh, if you like uh, punk rock, you'll dig that, too. Cool. And, yeah, ben, Brandon Rose is a stand-up dude, and his his uh, comedy is hilarious. Check him wow. out. Is Vultures your, your weekly watering hole there, Eric Holmes? No, I don't usually go to watering holes often. That's usually a triple nickel, but, uh, you know, just... I'm old now, so kind of when something's going on, I'd be like, oh, I guess I will. But these, the, this was just happened to be a week where I hit two places up. So there we are. Bruce, when's the last time you went to a watering hole? Oh, my God. It's <laughs> a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time for me as well. I mean, I think my local watering hole is probably Olive Garden. Maybe I'll, I'll grab a, <laughs> no. a, a quick a quick beer as I order as Denny's I order bar. <laughs> yeah, as I order something very quickly for my nephew, my niece Claire. I, I can't believe I called uh, Claire my nephew. This is going to be a doozy for me right now. <laughs> calling Eric. I'm Eric. Bruce, Eric. Yeah, He's yeah, Bruce. Eric. He's Bruce. So many confusing things, and this is I actually before we even started recording, Bruce Berg, he had to talk me down from a ledge because I looked at everything on our Google Doc. We have a lot to cover, which is really good for you guys because you guys will get a lot of value added stuff. But there's a lot of really interesting stuff, and he was saying, "Greg, calm down. We'll just take it one at a time, and and this will." Go by pretty quick, right before you know it. Everything will be cool. And I was just like, wow, look at all these movies, all these great movies. Bruce, I'm going to start first with you. Should we do our features first or should we just go with the star of the show, which is Alex Cox? I think we go with Alex Cox just to, you know, you always start with the Cox and then you go from there. <laughs> you go, Okay, you always start with the Cox. Cox here is spelled C-O-X. Okay, Bruce, you're, you're going to do the director spotlight. Alex Cox, why was he your pick? My pick, again, is going to be in a couple of weeks, but why was he your pick? And talk about why these two were your choices. Well, I just thought that, first of all, I feel like we haven't, we've done a very different sort of director recently. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to do someone who's much more uh, directorially loosey-goosey. You know, obviously he gets constantly brought up as having kind of a punk rock ethos even though that's not necessarily where he's at and we had just seen him recently do a little cameo in uh phil tippett's mad god which had kind of brought him back to my consciousness and i was like you know what alex cox would be a really interesting one to talk about so i thought let's just bring up a couple bring one we've we've seen before or at least i've seen before a bunch of times and so has eric and one that i've never ever ever put into my eyeballs which was highway patrolman so that's what brought him up He's an interesting dude. He started out in Oxford. I guess he was getting like this Oxford, you know, education, really, you know, highfalutin. And he dropped out because he wanted to go into like more media stuff. Ended up in uh, down in L.A. doing UCLA stuff. In the early 80s, was hooking up with a lot of people that were on the kind of the fringes of Hollywood. You know, he had Michael Nesmith get him production you know, Michael Nesmith from the Monkees helping produce Repo Man. He got. I was so surprised uh, when I saw Michael Nesmith's name yeah. first, the first name on Repo Man, I think, if I recall. Yeah, he, his original concept was to get like fear in this movie. The, the band Fear was going to be half of the actors in this movie. Uh, he's got Iggy Pop pulled out of some like flea bag apartment in the Hollywood Hills, I guess, to help work on this. So um, it's kind of this. <laughs> 
this real ragtag team of independent filmmaking to start his career. And I thought that was a, a really interesting place to start compared to some of the stuff we've done lately where, you know, they're either very art house, highfalutin or very studio centric. This guy is totally not that. So it kind of gave us a different flavor. So for Rebo Man, it was released in 1984. Here's a plot summary. By the way, this movie is 92 minutes. Quote, a young punk recruited by a car repossession agency finds himself in pursuit of a Chevrolet Malibu that is wanted for a $20,000 bounty and has something otherworldly stashed in its trunk. I believe I was listening to some Alex Cox interviews and he was saying, well, look, we, we all steal from the best. We all steal from each other. That that's something in the trunk. When you open the trunk, it's not a spoiler. There's something really nice and bright that comes out. And I, that's all I want to say about it. There's something, or Bruce, if you can say whatever you want to say about it. But when you open the trunk, something nice and bright comes out of it. And that is, and Cox was actually mentioning it, it was a little bit of an homage to the Robert Aldrich film from yesteryear called Kiss Me Deadly, which towards the end, there's, and I, that that's a spoiler too. There, there's some kind of thing that happens at the end of Kiss Me Deadly. So this, and there's also, you know, the idea of what is it, that what, what does this mean? And they were wondering if actually did, did uh, Tarantino, was he influenced by Repo Man as well? And you know, all that kind of stuff. So that is the main premise of this. That the young punk is Emilio Estevez. And the person who pretty much shows him the ropes is this guy named Bud, played by Harry Dean Stanton. Emilio Estevez plays the guy, a guy named Otto. He starts off... Uh, I believe he starts off in the movie. His name was Anderson Cowan, and he's a little bit of a rebel. And he's just, been, you know, he shacks up with a girl, and he sees one of his his, his best buddy just break out of jail, and then he realizes his best buddy is sleeping with his current girl, and everything goes crazy. And Anderson Cowan gets a job over over at a repossession place in the junkyard, and that's where he starts off his life. Before he became a podcaster, he he actually <laughs> messed around with these people over in uh, Los Angeles in that repo agency um maybe a little and there's a reason why he loves steven spielberg and i don't want to spoil it as well regardless he has a lot of close encounters in repo man that is anderson cowan aka otto aka emilio Estevez, and his name is not named eric holmes eric you recently saw this again yeah you you've seen this more times than bruce and i combined so well, I, I probably saw more times than alex Cox, to be honest <laughs> Uh, it? but, but it's it's been a long time since i yeah. since i rewatch it so it it was it it was kind of uh at, at one point it was kind of uh like bittersweet like uh it, i didn't want to go back to it but once i did i was like okay cool it, it it's 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 time it's been long enough and i i kind of uh i i'm back much like uh clockwork orange i'm back to enjoying it uh, for what it is, it's, uh, silly is not the right word, but it, it has a certain kind of uh, energy and uh, patina to it, like um, almost like a what, like a bit, train spotting bit, kind of thing, like a no, a, not not train spotting, almost like trauma adjacent. Almost. Okay, okay, yeah, and and uh, definitely like a, I mean, something like this is probably what inspires movies like Dinner in America or a Green Room. Or SOC Punk, like those type of movies. It, it's got that kind of energy to it. Yeah, it, it, it was good revisiting. Um, real love, uh, Mila Estevez being a shithead. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you, you talk about uh, um, movies being influenced. I, I'm guessing Dinner in America, the filmmakers probably watched this more than once because the 
Kyle Gallner and Emilio Estevez's character are kind of kind of similar. They cut from the same cloth, certainly. Where uh, Emilio Estevez's character is kind of a shithead, but you kind of root for him anyway. Um, and the fact, and we'll get into it with Highway Patrolman. And I haven't seen a lot. So I've seen this. I've seen Highway Patrolman. I've seen Sid and Nancy. Sid and Nancy, from what I remember, doesn't have this, but Highway Patrolman definitely does. Where you're following people whose job is dishonorable, I would say. Um, you know, a cop, a, a repo man, uh, or as I like to call it, thief. <laughs> you know, Alex Cox, at least with these two movies, it seems like he uh, likes to get get into the minds of characters that might not be someone that you would like. And then, but maybe you can come out like understanding him a little bit. And I kind of appreciate that. And that's actually something that I never really picked up on, you know, when I saw all those many times back in the day, but yeah, it was good stuff. Bruce, this was a revisit for you as well. Did you find a lot more layers upon this, you know, at this time in your life watching Repo Man again? Well, layers and not layers. I mean, this this uh, is a pretty goofy. Well, I say you said goofy. I, I agree. Goofy is a hard word to say to this. There, it immediately establishes kind of a weird fantastical element to it. This movie is not logic based. This movie is is kind of character and satire and just weird situations, almost vignettes. Uh, and I did end up enjoying it quite a bit. Um, but this is also one of those movies that the more you dig into it, uh, the trivia and the making of it and the the stuff inside of it is almost as interesting as the movie itself. So that I found a lot of fun as well. The way I and I enjoy this movie is another another aspect of this movie is it's just kind of a, a, a weird, surrealistic, silly, jokey adventure almost with these different characters going through kind of the mean streets of grungy back alley LA, which I wonder how you react to that too, Greg. I mean, having lived in the area, like how this works for someone in LA. Uh, But also I think it works as a great counter programming for the eighties. I think this is one of those movies. There's a few movies in the eighties that got the eighties better, even than they knew they got the eighties. And I think this is one of those movies. This movie is making fun of Dianetics before Dianetics is even a thing. It's making fun of this kind of, you know, pseudo religious programming before it's really a big deal and really quite known yet. And it's making fun of this kind of this weird, vacuous cultural stuff that's going on with all the generic stuff that they use in here. There's a lot of in-jokes about just society at the time that actually ring, I think, really true now. But yeah. you don't have to get that. I think you can just watch it as this funny, goofy, weird adventure as well. And just also see characters like Harry Dean Stanton as other than this and like maybe Paris, Texas and Alien. I mean, this is Harry Dean Stanton at the height of his powers. And the stories behind the set on this are almost as great with him as him just being in this movie. Uh, and the last thing, we can talk about some of the trivia and stuff when we get into it a little bit. We hear it, Eric, or but Eric, is it you or Greg? I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll hear what you think of it. But one thing I thought was really telling was that he based this on a comic that Alex Cox made, Cox made a comic and he based it kind of on that comic and he based that kind of on R. Crumb. And when you think of R. Crumb and the fabulous furry freak brothers, which he also kind of based this on, and all those kind of underground early 70s comics, that totally makes sense with this movie too because it has almost that weird disjointed underground comic ethos to it. Yeah, we also have to mention this along with Harry Dean Stanton. I was I really liked him in this movie. I thought he was going to be in the entire film, but mm-hmm. 
what's interesting is you mentioned vignettes. There are a lot of scenes where Harry Dean Stanton is off screen for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And that's, that's fine because everyone else is really colorful. There is character actor Tracy Walter. He plays this guy named Miller. And you think he is some kind of either vagrant or just someone or someone who hangs around the, the whole repo yard or is just maybe just best buds with Otto. He ends up, <laughs> he ends up being a really interesting character within the framework of this narrative. There's, uh, what is it? Lila or Lila? That's this girl he, he picks up on the street and she has a, a lot of these characters you think that are going to be some kind of cast-offs, they end up being something else by the end of the film, which I find to be very interesting. Some people you might consider as maybe antagonists of Otto end up maybe just intertwining themselves with him. And who knows? They might be on his side at the end. You don't know what's going to happen. A lot of these characters who seem like one note or really cardboard characters, they have their own different motivations regarding the retrieval of that Chevrolet Malibu. It's a, this is a very interesting film. One thing that really blew my mind is there's this sequence, there's a car chase sequence where a bunch of guys in the repo area, there's, there's a couple of, uh, and they're just, there's just a whole selection of people that are having baseball bats. There's a big fight sequence. To your point, Bruce, that was the parking that was near the parking garage of my my old apartment in downtown i used to live in a sky rise in downtown los angeles and that whole beautiful area where where you see those overhead lights and you it feels like they're under some kind of tunnel that's where i used to drive my honda accord out every single morning of the day and i'd i'd zip by the tunnel thinking i was freaking batman because i, I lived right under a tunnel for my in, in that sky rise and the bridge they use i believe it's called the eighth street bridge i could be wrong i pass by that bridge all the time in downtown so yeah i'm so it was really, there's a great car chase sequence and on the la river not car chase sequence like a car sequence two car sequence with Harry Dean stanton and emilio Estevez. this is i had no idea this was sort of in a way a a weird funky love letter to los angeles um yeah, I really enjoyed Repo Man for how weird it is. And Eric, to your point, I think it takes more than a couple of watches to just soak in everything in. I, I want to kind of throw this back at you, though. It's like when uh, I'm real familiar with Bellevue in Omaha. So whenever I watch a Alexander Payne movie, I'd see all the, you know, see all the parts and the geography. I'm like, OK, that makes sense. Like you're familiar with this area. Like, well, we talked about Miracle Mile, and, and the geography is very important in there. Like, how does the geography line up in Repo Man? Like, Wait, like are there any scenes where they go from, like, one part to another part, and they're like, that's... No, no, no very good. not getting there in five mm-hmm. minutes. There are sequences in downtown L.A. where there's a long... We're going to talk about long takes in Alex Cox with Highway Patrolman. There are a couple of long takes here in Repo Man. There's a section where... Milo Estevez, he's a little bit frustrated with Harry Dean Stanton's character. What is his name? Bud, right? Bud. And he, Otto gets out of the car and becomes a sort of like, well, they say nobody walks in LA, but <laughs> right now in Repo Man, Otto does walk in LA. And it's a really, just a showy one take, uh, long take sequence where he's walking around. And this, Eric, to your point, this is, a, 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 I believe, around Skid Row area in downtown where, where they would say in the movie, they say all the winos are, all the winos are. But yeah, within a trajectory, it's just, five minutes away where I used to live. So everything is actually geographically accurate with Repo Man, which I completely had no idea as well. There's some really interesting night scenes with all these lampposts and they're, they're going up a ramp and it looks like some, something right out of Blade Runner. 
that's the ramp I used to always go up at night thinking I was in Blade Runner and <laughs> thinking I was in some kind of futuristic city. So I, this is a really, not just a letter, love letter to LA, but a love letter to downtown Los Angeles, the, it, the most film noir ask part of LA. So I really love that part of Repo Man. I, I think this is close to a really cool film. This is a four-star film for me, not like a five-star banger, but like a solid four-star experience. I This is one of these things that'll probably room to grow. I might even give it five stars down the road, but right now it's just an excellent high recommendation. Guys, I'm sure both of you are giving this movie five stars. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, I've certainly had my fill of this movie, but it, it's uh, it's undeniably a classic. I, it's my personal opinion. The fact that I was this movie was thrust upon me so many times uh, doesn't negate the fact that, that it holds up and it, it's stuck around this long for a reason. What about you, Bruce? Uh, same. And I think that this uh, mileage will vary for people on this one, because obviously it might seem really dated. I think to some people watching it now, I think this is one of those movies, if you're like Greg and you like it on first view, it's also kind of like Big Lebowski, where once you've seen it and you kind of know the story, you don't care about the story anymore because the story doesn't almost matter. It becomes all those weird and odd character interactions and details that you'll like enjoy over and over and over again. And that's the kind of thing that makes it obviously a cult classic is that people just love living in the world and seeing and hearing the characters say their stupid things and watching the stupid interactions and you know watching another generic item pull up or another uh <laughs> all of the uh what is it uh, uh pine tree air fresheners that pop up or whatever it is you know those little things will just become iconic moments for people who love this movie it's hard rating this because like how do you rate night of the living dead yeah how how do you rate pulp fiction like the the movies like that have have been around you know they've done you know they're they're just part of our culture at this point so it's hard to you know it's hard to put a number on it but yeah fair enough fair enough bruce you had a whole bunch of trivia stuff what's the what's the one piece of trivia that really stood out for you or, or a couple of pieces uh, there's a couple of them. One of them is uh, the the introduction of was it Vanetta McGee? Is that actress that's in this movie that's from The Great Silence? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you stole, that was that was my tidbit. That was yeah, you, yeah. Um, there's a moment where something glows towards the end of this movie. I'm not going to say what that is. That is not a digital effect. That is a practical effect that required hundreds and hundreds of gallons of 3M super reflective paint. Each gallon is like hundreds of dollars worth of paint, apparently, at the time. That's probably thousands of dollars worth of paint. Um, the Circle Jerks, a very famous punk band, make an appearance in this. And activity. Playing, yeah. <laughs> and they uh, they uh, make an appearance and play one of their songs as a lounge act. That's a very awesome moment in this movie. Uh, and uh, there was one other thing. Oh, the Pine Air Fresheners, fresheners I mentioned. They uh, helped sponsor this movie. And wow. all, all of the Repo Men, all of the Repo Men, except for Otto, have names of beer. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, bud. What another thing about that? Miller. Miller. Oh, my goodness. One of them's named Light. <laughs> yes, Light. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was, because I, sometimes that, like, Eric, you will do this too. Sometimes you watch a movie with captions because you're a writer. I watch this in caption, I'm thinking, why is this person's name Light? And why are why are they spelling that name L I T E? Now they're they're oh. 
Yeah. One other little bit of trivia. You'll like this. You'll, you'll both enjoy this if you didn't see it already. So towards the end, there's a moment where a helicopter lands and it was supposed to be the three wise men coming out of the helicopter. As it stands, it's only the TV preacher and a rabbi briefly seen. The rabbi is played by Michael Nesmith. The third wise man they intended to have was going to be Hamamad Ali because they met him randomly on the street and they tried to convince him to be in this movie and he wouldn't do it. But he would have been the third one that popped out in that helicopter. So I'm going to add a little bit to that Muhammad Ali story, which is it's not a story, it's a fact. And so what happened was Alex Cox went up to Muhammad Ali, I think it was at a gym or someplace in Venice. And he offered him the job. He said, hey, can you just shoot the scene with us at night? It's a night shoot. And Muhammad Ali, I'm not going to do the impression, but he told, he basically told Alex Cox, well, I have a new manager now and I have to say no to everything unless I get paid a million dollars. <laughs> they did not have a million dollars. So then what Alex Cox did was he just, he went back to the, to the producer and said, hey, we're good news. We're gonna get we're gonna get Muhammad Ali. We can get Muhammad Ali for the night shoot. The bad news is he's I need a million dollars. And they basically said, Well, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that for just that, that extended that glorified cameo for a million dollars. So that is Repo Man. You can rent it, purchase it wherever you want. It's available everywhere. I just rented it on Prime Video. Eric and Bruce, how did you guys see this movie? Uh I think I saw him on YouTube. YouTube. Oh, and oh, I'm sorry, Bruce, you saw it on Criterion. So you purchased recently the Criterion on Repo Man. Were you able to, how is it transfer or does it look good? Are there, what are some of the special features? Read them off. Oh, there's so much up. I didn't get through all of it, but um, the transfer is great. It's got a, like a 70 page booklet. It includes the entire, it includes his comic book version. It includes the essay. It includes the entire uh, pre- presentation they gave for the movie to get produced. And who they projected and what they projected to happen. That's really fascinating as well, including their budget and everything. Uh, it includes a ton of stuff. And then on the actual disc, there's like, I haven't even watched them all and listened to them all, but there's, you know, several different commentaries. There's a ton of interviews with people like Iggy Pop and the Circle Jerks or Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks and a bunch of people talking about their experiences. This is, it's a treasure trove of trivia. If that's what you're into, it's all TR. Tra, tra, tra. <laughs> You'll have a good time. I, I, again, I'm still trying to picture you in 1984. What you, so you love punk rock. Was this mm-hmm. just completely just hit all the bases? Do, could you imagine? Were you just all just all about this movie, or maybe not? Well, we were used to like punk rock being presented in a really lame way, and this one was goofy in that sense. Like we talked about, we keep saying that word, but it also respected it. There was like a, a, it, it got it got the tone right, like kind of just the the shittiness of life of this punk rocker and also just hearing something like suicidal tendencies in the background or circle jerks in the background or some of those bands and being like, okay, whoever's doing this gets it, you know? So yeah, we were, we were all over it. And then the soundtrack obviously became a huge, actually, I think the soundtrack is what made this movie hit. This got pulled after a week in the theater. Like it was, (laughs) it was in the theater for a week and it didn't do anything. I, I do think Otto singing TV party was a bit on the nose. Talk singing uh, uh, that. I'm like, eh. yeah, that's true. <laughs> but at the same time, no one knew what the fuck that was except us, yeah. you know? So at the time, everyone was like, I don't know, whatever. That's why it's just some weird kid just saying stuff, you know? We don't know. <laughs> okay. So that is Repo Man. And uh, yeah, honestly, I never, it was, this is my first time watch and I feel a little bit uh, sad because I miss, I missed out on this. This could have, 
made a dent on my teenage years and and it obviously it didn't so here i am I'm, <laughs> there's so many great, there's so many really interesting lines for years anderson would always say something like you know let's go get sushi and not pay for it and i'm and i'd always go what are you freaking talking about anderson he go have you not seen repo man so now i know now i finally get the joke Anderson Cowan, best performance was in Repo Man years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> our next Alex Cox movie is Highway Patrolman. And this is a movie that actually came after four years, or I think four years after the box office misfire and all that stuff of Walker, a movie which now is being reconsidered and probably beloved, and it was given a recent criterion treatment. So that's that chapter on Walker. It's it's having a newfound appreciation. That said, Highway Patrolman I don't even know if it's getting any kind of due unless you are a specified cinephile. Let me just read this plot summary right now. Against his father's wishes, Pedro, a naive kid from Mexico City, joins the Federal Highway Patrol. His simple desire to do good rapidly comes into conflict with the reality of police work. Let's just give a shout out to Roberto Sosa, who plays the lead actor. He is Pedro. It is for lack of a better word, a amazing performance. Bruce, Highway Patrolman, this was a blind watch for you. You watched it on Tubi. Your impressions overall, big picture on Highway Patrolman. Uh, big picture. This is a definitely, I would say, a, a lost gem for a lot of people. This is a really cool movie. Once It's sort of like Repo Man in the sense that I think for some people, uh, they would get bogged down in the story. And this isn't as bogged down in the story as it is the character and the sequences there's it once again it's almost like vignettes but one thing that kind of struck me as i was watching it and i want to hear you because i know you got blown away by this too what really struck me is as i was watching it all of a sudden i was like how long was that shot wait did he cut multiple times in this movie i would do that i'd be like wait he just had a wreck and he's out of his car now and then it's training over to another person and then it's walking away from that wait what that helicopter he just watched the helicopter land and then went through the 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 te- and he went and there's the helicopter and they're having a shootout wait was there a cut in there i don't think there was so i was blown away technically multiple times in this movie but then also story-wise it's just really unusual and i think part of it is and i think alex cox says this at some point in an interview i was watching it's like well it's a british guy making a movie that's all in mexico mostly written by Mexican people, starring all people from Mexico or from at least that area. And it's produced by Japanese people. So it's <laughs> it's a very interesting and unusual movie that doesn't f- quite fit into any categories. And on top of that, it's a very interesting story. It's a story I've never seen before. I've never seen a version of a, a police just being a life of a policeman living in northern mexico so i I think in in many many ways this is a very fascinating movie and one that doesn't quite fit in i kept saying to myself abel ferrara when i was watching this movie i kept thinking abel ferrara this is a movie that's once again it's rough around the edges but in all the best ways i think Uh, and that's all i'm going to say i guess and let you guys chime in and we can kind of talk a little bit about what it happens in it but it's it's pretty entertaining i'm thinking Sam Peckinpah's Bring Me the Head of of Alfredo Garcia meets Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket. And then you throw in friggin' Repo Man, the mix, Alex Cox, with that punk rock attitude and Soderbergh's Traffic. In fact, I'm not going to even 
throw in Soderbergh's traffic because I feel like traffic was actually inspired. <laughs> the highway patrolman was an inspiration for Soderbergh's traffic. I want to get to you, Eric. I, as I'm watch, as when I finished this film, I thought, oh man, I bet you Eric Holmes would really love this movie. Am I, am I uh, correct on your assessment of Highway Patrolman? Your thoughts on oh, that? Oh, yeah. I, I wish this was the movie that was thrust upon me. As good as Repo Man is, this is just Alex Cox leveling up as far as, you know, characters, world building, like all that. Like it, This is one of those movies you watch, and I didn't feel like I watched a movie. I felt like I just, like, I, I just visited a place and was hanging out with these people for that amount of time. It, yeah. It's got it's got great character work. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, 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 it's weird because like the the story, there's not really a story, but there's not a story to something like Big Lebowski or or Days and Confused. It's just you're hanging out with these characters and kind of uh, getting into their lives. And again, like Repo Man, you know, uh, a policeman, um, especially like dude, it opens up. Uh, just pull them over and figure out what you're pulling them over for. <laughs> like that right there. It's Alex Cox saying, fuck these people. Like, you know, right off the bat, you hate them. And then as you go, as you go along, you kind of, uh, you kind of grow to love them, which I think is a pretty damn good magic trick. I don't That's know. That's a you... hard magic trick to do. Yeah. That is a very... <laughs> yeah. You sorry. I mean, look, there's no, uh, as far as I remember, there's no dogs, but imagine making a movie where the main character just like, just, punches a dog to death and rips its skin off while it's yipping oh i fucking hate this guy but then the movie goes on it's like oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i need to a dog does not get you know <laughs> yeah that doesn't happen <laughs> this is just a hypothetical that hypothetical this movie yeah that there was really good stuff the the love triangle between him his wife who do the way they met was bonkers <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> um and, and then the uh mistress. And then the uh the yeah. prost the prostitute and yeah yeah just uh, everything about this movie just fucking works and you know it, and, and it's kind of uh frustrating how good this is it is so I've, good. I've just now seen it like just this week i I never even heard of it before yeah i look we can't say how awesome this movie is because it's a spoiler the lead character pedro he starts off as okay he he blows off the tires of the car he's driving it's a long take and you go oh my god here's here's another nitwit he's joining this uh this police force he thinks he's going to do well and guess what i think you think the rest of the movie will be an undressing of this of this officer in a way it is but like eric says there's so many things that happen life happens to him and you really see different colors of him shine forth and it becomes so many different things eric mentioned a love triangle there is a an action thriller element that is insane. It might be a revenge situation. There, there's there's so many different things in this movie. And when you throw in Bruce's uh, mention of the long takes, it's abundant. So you can uh, it hits on all bases. Do you want something that's just a beautifully shot movie with a tons of long takes and showy visual compositions? You got it. You want Eric Holmes's love for story structure and layered characters? You're going to get that as well. And then you throw in Alex Cox's personality and his, as already maybe his irreverent humor, even amidst a lot of tragedy, then you're going to get that too. It's, I'm, I'm going to throw this out to you guys. How, why is this movie not even recognized as big as it? Why is this not considered what, what's going on here? Do you guys have a theory? 
Um, I think, well, so a lot of his movies aren't well known, save for Repo Man and Sid and Nancy. And I think because uh, especially when I grew up and I'm guessing Bruce is the same thing when there was a movie about uh, that dealt at all with punk rock, uh, they showed up, you know, punk rock fans showed up because you didn't see a lot of that. And so this didn't have that. And so it's just Alex Cox. And, the, you know, again, this is my own hypothesis on this. Alex Cox isn't like a, uh, maybe not a uh, high draw as far as box office filmmakers go. So it probably just got buried. You know, there there wasn't, there wasn't that punk rock. Like if, if Highway Patrolman featured, I, fuck, I, I don't know, like Minor Threat on the soundtrack, we may have seen this 20 times already. We may right. have already heard about this, but that's not the case because it's not that kind of movie. So that would be my guess. Right. And I would say all three of us here at Find Your Film, we're huge cinephiles. And the fact that this was a surprise for us, how rarefied? Bruce, do you have a theory on this? Because there is a rare Mark, what is it? Mark Kermode, that that uh, film critic guy, yeah. he, he on, on the BFI player, there's like a BFI streaming service. He actually recommend. I, I was looking on YouTube. He actually recommended Highway Patrolman. And what he said about this was interesting is, and it's not too much of a spoiler. And this was his little mini review because the movie starts out. And actually, Alex Cox mentioned this too. It starts off with Pedro and he joins the force thinking he's going to make a big difference and impose his value system on everyone. But then ultimately throughout the throughout his life, he realizes it's not about imposing your will. It's just living with other people and seeing how they affect you and, and adjusting to that. And I think that's that's one of the really sneaky, touching parts about Highway Patrolman. It's actually buried in the, all, the, all of that madness, but I thought it was really resonant. But yeah, I was, I, I, this is really literally a breathtaking film for me, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm just blown away. I didn't even want to watch the rest of this week of movies. I wanted to go back <laughs> and watch Highway Patrolman. Bruce, did you, did you feel that there's, this is one of those movies that you can watch maybe again and get something out of it because there's so much kind of madness going around? Yeah, I think you can. And once again, this is one of those movies, I think just like in some ways like Repo Man, but a lot different in actual content. But I think once you get past the story of it or whatever it is, you can go back and watch this. You can watch this on a technical level, just watch the shots and how it's made. Uh, you can also just watch it as a character piece because I think this character study is fascinating and very like you talk about a flawed character and that's kind of what Eric was getting at too. Like this is the flaw. This is not, not just a flawed character. This is just a human character because he doesn't do things uh, in a Hollywoodish storytelling kind of way. He does things that'll madden you. Like what, what, what are you doing, dude? And, uh, but that's what makes it really interesting. Like, yeah, this is watchable again. I guess that's the short answer. There, okay, I'm going to – this is a mini, little mini thing, listeners, just to show you just one of the 100 to 200 brilliant things that Alex Cox does in Highway Patrolman. Eric was mentioned about, mentioning the love triangle. Pedro's well, mistress, she is a prostitute. Her name is – what is her name? I believe her name is Maribel. There's a yeah, sequence where right. he's having an argument with Maribel. Maribel is a little bit – you know, she's, she's addicted to drugs and he – he starts talking to her and I think he, he starts preaching to her and telling her to get her life together. And he gets, he doesn't get violent with her. He just gets very emotional and, and telling her to just pretty much clean up her act. So he just storms off and he closes the door. Most directors would just, once the door closes, 
it would maybe cut to a reaction of Maribel, maybe crying or or just distraught, and then cut back to him. That's the that's the, that's how you normally would do it as a director. Quick cut to her, half second reaction shot, and go back to him and follow his journey. Mm-hmm. What Alex Cox does, and what this movie does, is it goes there. So it, he closes the door, he leaves, and it stays on her. It stays on her, and she starts taking cocaine. It, it's the, the scene continues with her and you see the repercussions of his own actions and his own reaction to her and berating her. And you usually don't see that in a lot of movies where, because the move, the, the logic is to follow the main guy, main person, the main pr- protagonist, but it stays on her for several beats too long. And you're, you're thinking, get me out of here. I don't want to see her take drugs. This is, this really sucks. But I mean, that, that's just one of the many things that Cox does. We're talking about punk rock spirit. It, he just goes there where a lot of filmmakers don't. The ending, we're not going to get into it. It's just straight out of like Narcos, something out of like friggin' Narcos. <laughs> Eric, um, what do you want to say? Yeah. I, I, I wanted to point out that like, and, and this is kind of what, uh, this movie does really well is that she's not really a drug addict. Like, um, I, I didn't get the sense that she does drugs because she's addicted to them more like she's uh kind of uh and maybe this is a different type of addiction but she's like uh doesn't like her place in life and it's just a way for her to escape it's mm. not like uh they don't have the the hollywood version of a drug addict i guess you know yeah. and this is a movie that understands that you know that that little difference between the two yeah, because um, of her situation at the moment, right? It, it's like a, a moment situation with her taking the drugs because of what she's doing or where, where yeah. she is. Well, well, okay. I mean, she's going to be doing drugs a lot. Um, but, but the, the, it, this, her story isn't an addict story. Her story is a, I don't like my place in life and this is a way I can escape. Sure. And then once she gets away from that, well, I don't need it anymore. You know, with, with her and I probably said too much, but, said, but don't, don't worry. You know what? You probably said too much. If it but, was a normal uh, movie, but there's so many things going on that really you're you can you can over explain Highway Patrolman. Yeah. Actually, we can, and we're not going to spoil anything. There's just too many but, things. That but happen. I I think this uh, this movie understands things about how humans work that uh, is a little more a uh, little more honest than uh, yeah a, t- a typical Hollywood movie because a typical Hollywood movie is like her snorting the cocaine and crying to herself and then like shivering in a corner of the, of the cold shower, you know, it's not like that. It's just, just kind of part of the background. And and it's a more honest take on, on this and many other aspects of humanity in this movie, I think. A hundred percent. Bruce, do you agree with that assessment? I was thinking there are things that if you like the Rubik's cube or puzzles, if you unlock some of Pedro's actions, it led to certain consequences. Have you, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, I was, oh, there's yeah. this, there's something as simple as like, he messes something up and gets a different car. That yes. makes a difference. There's so yeah, but I mean, that's, this yeah. is messy. This movie is not about going to tie up any loose ends in a, in a way that is Hollywoodized. It's, it's going to, it's just going to be like, life goes on. Like, this is just a, <laughs> this is just sequences in somebody's life. And it doesn't, you, it's a big world. The world never ends. That's what I like. These kind of movies where you can imagine this world continues in all directions for all these characters. That's of like a, a rich world that's being given to us. Oh, the ones that make it out alive. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing it there, Eric. I'm, I'm not depressed. <laughs> no, but you know what this for me, I, I I'm going to copy Bruce Perky and I'm going to give highway patrolman. 
I'm going to put a copy because I apologize. For me, this is a five-star classic. There are very few movies where I feel like, wow, I wish I was a director. I wish I could direct a movie. And this is one of those movies where I realize, wow, that must be such a great job. I'm not saying I couldn't have done a great job like Highway Patrolman, but this is so inspiring to me. Five stars. Five-star classic for me, Eric Holmes, your rating on Highway Patrolman? Uh, no question. This is a 6.9-star banger. <laughs> 6.9 star banger for Eric Holmes. What about you, Bruce? I'm definitely five star. I'll see if it gets to classic status, uh, but it's five star for sure. Can I give one little bit of trivia? Only one bit of trivia. Yes, this movie. yes. And don't the you one bit of Great tri- Silence anymore until you watch that movie, man. Don't don't steal our <laughs> don't steal me and Eric Shine on the Great Silence. <laughs> Um, the trivia I got, I think I sent you guys, it's a little quick introduction that I saw that Alex Cox gave about this movie. And the one thing I thought was really interesting about this is that he talked about how he was making Walker in, I want to say Nicaragua or somewhere. Okay, yeah. some, and he, what the movie didn't, the studio he knew would not want him to make it there. So he pretended to be scouting locations in North Mexico. And while he was doing that, there was a driver driving them around who had been a highway patrolman who told him all these stories. And while they were doing it, he is thinking to himself, wow, this guy's really interesting. This is the story we should be telling. So he just kept that in the back of his mind. After Walker failed and basically he was on the outs with everybody, he had no one doing anything. He's like, let's go back and talk to that guy that we met in Mexico and see if we can make a movie about that. And oh my gosh, they wow. did. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the, the, I, I thought that was awesome. And that was the, you know, the impetus of this whole thing. And a lot of these stories are just real stories from a real guy who lived there. And the fact that he was taking this totally random, like a disconnect for another movie and at the time he was thinking to himself this would be a good movie and this is what we got i think that was really interesting yeah i'm gonna tell you there, there's this one one of my fantasies is to actually go into a bar and uh, drink tequila and just like spit take it out and just see what happens or maybe even throw a tequila bottle against the uh what is it the what, what do you call it the, the bar window or something like that there are so many um, there, don't, don't, you're don't like, do don't, that. Don't do that. Don't, I know. Yeah, I, I definitely will. I'll get my, my butt kicked. Eric Holmes, before we finish on this whole Alex Cox thing, can you tell our listeners about this Blu-ray? We, we checked. I saw this on Kino Lorber. It, it was on sale for $9.99. I picked it up. You said you wanted to mention the Blu-ray. Did you check oh, it out? Well, I, I, actually, I wanted you to mention the Blu-ray because I, I don't know anything about it. I just saw that. that you okay, right. It. And then Bruce mentioned, it's like, what great timing. Because this was not, the, uh, as far as I know, this was not planned. It was just uh, perfect timing that we're uh, Right, right. This. Okay, so, well, there was recently, probably it's over by now, there was, well, don't worry, listeners, Kino Lorber, every maybe two or three months, they have some really big blowout sale. And I, you know, I ended up purchasing about 50 or $60 worth of Blu-rays, and it's great, it's great, our fellow podcaster, and more importantly, buddy, Andrew Martin, on our comment thread regarding Kino Lorber, he said, thanks, guys, I, I just blew another 62 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> but anyways, look. 62? Yes. Oh, you wanted an extra seven dollars up there on that. <laughs> on that. Yes. Anyways, look. Do you guys think nine nine dollars and ninety nine cents, not including shipping, for the Blu-ray of Highway Patrolman, which also I believe has commentary from from Alex Cox? What do you th- What do you guys think? You think that's a deal? Uh, that's a steal. Yeah. 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 I mean. The DVD is priced at nine ninety nine as well, so I decided to go with the Blu-ray. I'm I'm thinking, look, no disrespect to Kino Lobra, until I get my Blu-ray for Highway Patrolman, I'm thinking you might have sold me a bill of goods on this. This is too good of a deal. I'll wait till I get it on physical media. 
Speaking of which, Bruce, your Repo Man physical media, did you get that on a deal as well? Yeah, I got it. I, I just, it was also kismet. You know, I was thinking about getting this movie for a while and talking about it, and it just happened to go onto the Criterion sale. So I was like, I got to get it. So there you go. Yeah. One one more thing before I finish. Final thoughts on Alex Cox, guys. Um, do you think it's going to be, is it good news or bad news that we stumbled onto Highway Patrolman so soon? Because after this, I don't even know how Alex Cox or can top himself after this or should I look at it a different way? I I think it's good. Cause like, uh, like I said before, uh, before this week, all I saw was repo man and uh, Sid and Nancy. I'm kind of excited to go back into the rest of his catalog. Cause I mean, <laughs> uncovered a, a huge diamond. And so I'm, yeah. I'm very curious on what other gems he has in there that I, I've just been overlooking. When you guys were watching it, did you automatically assume that all three of us would go crazy for this movie? Or did you guys have doubts like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, I, I had no idea. Oh, you had no idea. You, oh, you were you were thinking that maybe you were the only one who's going to go crazy for this movie. I, I, so I figured that Bruce liked Repo Man. I had no idea what Highway Patrolman was. So I, I had no No, but did you think that me it. and Bruce would like it as well, as much as you did when you were watching it? You see what I'm saying? Oh, um, as I'm watching, well... I think I saw it after you already mentioned that you. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, See, Bruce, or, so right, right away, I knew. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I figured I'm out sorry. on my own. I think Greg <laughs> likes this one. Okay, we have listeners jo- join our cinematic Facebook group. We have some really wonderful people: Joseph Bridges, the aforementioned Andrew Martin, Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class. We love him and and his buddies, Tyler. Uh, Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro, very good guys over middle class film class, Brendan Snyder, Angie Clark, so many great, great people, Matt Stillman, who are just as big, if not bigger cinephiles than any of us. Bruce Perky, you're going to wrap it up on Alex Cox, final thoughts on these two movies or overall his the, the spotlight itself. Yeah, no, I like the movies a ton. I think it's a lot. There's probably more to find there, especially I'm interested in Walker. But my final thought, this is going to be my final value added for Alex Cox. If you want to, and you should do this, go to YouTube and type in movie drome, not drone like you'd fly, but drome like hippodrome or something. Movie drome, Alex Cox. Basically for years and years and years and years, he was kind of like the Joe Bob Briggs of, uh, in Britain, in England. And he did, he would host this Sunday night showing of different movies. So you can find his introductions to tons of movies. And I would advise you do that. Uh, and they are awesome to listen to. Each of them is about 10 or 15 minutes long. And I would say, throw on one of those and then go watch the movie. Uh, he did one for the Andromeda Strain. He did one for Excalibur. He does one for like old noir movies. It's tons of fun. And I can imagine that he is one of these guys that if we hung out with, <laughs> we, would, we would love to hang out with him. Go and look up Movie Drome. Alex Cox, and just listen to some of his intros. Is that similar to the trailers from hell that they do? It, it is and it isn't. It was he actually would host them. They would show, so they would have a you know Sunday night movie, and they would okay. show whatever it was. Uh, like I said, but I mean, it's just like a, it's just like a little like three minute like intro thing, or a little bit longer. But he gives great, just like we're doing now. He just basically okay. talks about the movies, and he'll say if he doesn't like them, but he'll also always bring up something pretty awesome about the movie. Some really great little detail. And he is obviously a huge movie lover on top of just making some great movies on his own. So it's it's a ton of fun. And I think uh, a lot of you would enjoy going into that world. Cool. Again, so yeah, who knows? Maybe down the down, down the line, we might 
actually do a Sidney Lumet or William Friedkin treatment on Alex Cox. There's a whole bunch of his movies on Tubi. I wouldn't be surprised if Bruce, Eric Holmes, and I decide to actually cover some more of Alex Cox's movies. will be interesting to watch down the road. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer 1, trailer 2. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy! All right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My, my trans you have no power, power over me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that is our spotlight on, on Alex Cox. Let's go to our featured films. I am approaching this first feature film with absolute dread because the movie is called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I'm looking at IMDb right now. It has 8.5 out of 10. The reason why I mention this is I'm trying to steal myself against uh, maybe Bruce Perky's reaction to Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I already know as far as people divulging things, Eric Holmes called it charming. So I don't have to worry about Eric Holmes that much. Anyways, the, the story centers on, well, Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread. She plays Mrs. Harris, a widowed cleaning lady in the 1950s London who falls madly in love with a couture Dior dress. So what the, What does she do? She doesn't stay in London. She starts saving every single cent she has or what a pound she has, and she flies herself off to Paris to buy a specific couture dress from Dior that she really loves. And that seems like a pipe dream. But you know what? In Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, I believe this was based on a series of books and actually, what's her name from Murder, She Wrote? Angela Lansbury. She starred in a TV movie called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris as well. I don't know what the name of that movie was, but it's directed by Anthony Fabian. If you appreciate Leslie Man- um, Leslie uh, Manville as an actress, she's very, I mean, do you guys remember that last performance of Leslie Manville that we all really loved, but we did not like the movie as much? Do you remember that? The movie? Do you guys remember her from Let Him Go? She played the mother of the wee boys, the the really dangerous mother. Remember that movie with Kevin Costner, guys? The the, the oh, one I didn't they... see that. Oh, you didn't oh, see that? God. Yeah, she yeah, played yeah, we the did. mean. Yeah, you remember that? She played the mean, mean mother. <laughs> yeah, I did not even connect that. That's, Is yeah, that weird? Yes, she's great, and she's also great. Obviously, got the Oscar nomination for her work in PTA's Phantom Thread. So that is the premise of Mrs. Harris. Look, I'm gonna just cards on the table. It's me. This is so it manipulates all your emotions. I hook, line, and sinker, five stars. Love Manfield's performance. I'm thinking someone give her an Oscar nomination. The couture dresses look beautiful. I love Paris in the springtime, in the winter, in the fall, almost as much as Eric Holmes. I loved everything about this movie. That said, I don't know. Maybe I really fell in love with this movie too hard. Bruce Perky, I want you to bring some, I, I want you to bring some grounded criticism regarding Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I want to hear your your honest take with this movie. Well, this is like, well, this is a 1957 that I don't think ever existed. Uh, this is like, um, except maybe in the movies. Uh, I wrote down, I think this is aggressively whimsical. Um, this is like a live action Paddington or Paddington 2. Eric Holmes, uh, are you getting, um, I can't get Bruce Perky. I don't hear him uh, on the mic. His, his, and, did you mute um, him? <laughs> and uh yeah, I loved every minute of this too. This is really oh, great. <laughs> right? No, You're... this is like this is like one of those movies that you have to actively try to hate. I mean, come on now. This is like 
it's and i was trying to be a little bit cheeky there of course at the beginning but no this movie is just uh, it's not reality and you just go into it knowing it's not reality um you know this is a movie where you know everything's gonna go wrong for her and then five minutes later everything's just gonna drop into her lap and be fine i mean is it whatever is that a spoiler bruce I didn't say what happened or what doesn't happen. She ends up in Paris. We know that much. So, um, yeah, no. And this is, this is, this is, you know how they say there's dad movies. This is definitely a mom movie, but it's also a mom movie that we can all enjoy. Uh, it's, it's, it's charming as, as fuck. What can you say? It's I mean, great. Jason Isaacs plays a sort of a, he loves his alcohol. He plays a guy named Archie. Archie is yeah. a, a book, what, what is he, what is it? He's a book, bookkeeper when, when gambling, he's a, with a heart of gold. <laughs> he's, he's, he's done. He's the one who has people place bets on the, on horses and he's not a shady character. He's, he's nice. This is, this is okay. I, I'm going to, I don't think it's a spoiler. This is the movie where she can get, well, first of all, they're smoking on the plane. So tell Anderson that he might want to watch this now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they do have that. Um, but this is a movie where she'll get off a plane, walk, into Paris. <laughs> Her first pe- people she meet will be um, three possibly homeless dudes in a, a, a train station or something. I don't know where they're at. And they're going to help her out. Yeah, <laughs> and they have and have no ill intent. No one's going to. No one's. <laughs> this is not reality. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what can you say. I think that my Paddington comparison actually is right. This has that kind of just, you're gonna have a good time. You're gonna like your characters. You're gonna see a lot of pretty things and, and have a great time in the process. I, the, the, the fashion, I'm not a fashion guy. The fashion here is beautiful. Yeah. You, you, you get why she likes it. You have this kind of fluffy, but kind of not fluffy relationship between a model and a, another guy that works at Dior. And the model there is, I, you talk to her. Should we uh, feel I'll... guilty, Bruce, that we really enjoyed this movie? <laughs> no. Okay. Enjoy what uh, you enjoy, man. This yeah, is... I know. You're right. You're right. I mean, uh, Isabel Huppert, she plays she, that she is the villainous in this film. She plays Claudine Colbert. And is, she anyone, is... is anyone really villainous in this movie? <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, she is the evil, quote unquote, seemingly evil person in this whole Dior fashion house. And she is the one who kind of runs the show. This Dior dress that you desire so much, where will you wear it? At the Vienna Opera Ball or Queen Charlotte's? Will you wear it to Polish floors or will you keep it shut in your little wardrobe? A Dior dress is designed to astonish and delight. How will you do that, Mrs. Harris? You, (laughs) forgive me for saying this, but you are nobody, invisible. How will you give this dress the life it deserves? It's my dream. And yeah, but Bruce, to your point, yeah, all the stuff. Eric, you said we we know you said this is charming. It, it, what give us a big pick your big picture take on Mrs. Harris? Do you agree with Bruce on all all the points he made? So i i was think I was thinking back when we saw murder, uh, the murder at Yellowstone. Yeah, and so at the beginning of that movie, a uh, dude finds gold, and he comes in, he buys drinks for everyone. And then there's one guy that's like, hey, you still owe me. And it's like, okay, well, and then they settled that and like, oh, cool. This is going to be, uh, other than the what the title suggests, this is going to be a movie about 
oh, someone came into a windfall and they get to rebuild their town and this will be a nice, happy movie. But then a murder happens and it becomes something completely different. This is kind of the, the Mrs. Harris goes to Paris is murder at Yellowstone. If the murder never happened, <laughs> it, it's, com- it, it's completely conflict free. That's great. Con- it's That's completely amazing. free of conflict. It's just, um, they say you can't make a movie about someone without, without conflict. And they did, you know, I, I mean, there's a little, she runs into uh, some stuff here and there, but mostly this is uh, a really happy movie. Real, really. I got huge Amelie vibes from this. Um, Cause when I watch Amelie, I, it's just, it's just a damn charming movie that I'm happy every time I watch it. And this is, this is the same thing. It's like, when I saw that we were watching Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> F and Greg, F and Greg with his artsy screeners. <laughs> like, this is not going to be, this is not going to be in my wheelhouse. <laughs> and I watched it and it actually brightened up my day. I was like so happy after I was done watching this. I was like, oh, so I, I know where to go to when I'm feeling depressed. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. My only complaint with Mrs. Harris goes to Paris is quiet. The, you no complaints. No, no, it's a big complaint. It's the, the this main is theme. Conflict free. The main theme is the golden rule about being kind to others. I I don't know if I buy that. I I don't I I don't really. You guys you guys are all about that. Be kind to others. You never know. You know never know what they're going through. Can can we skip actually, that or, or um, actually joking. she's not because oh. she is overly kind to others. But there's a couple parts where she's like, no, that was my seat. Like when she's no, she's being oh, right. done wrong. She will put her foot down. That's true. Say, no, th- this is because she lives that way, so she expects others to live that way too. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah. I think it's more about like true. like not getting to a point in your life and going like it's kind of like you're never done. If you want to continue and and kind of go for that dream or whatever it was that you had, why are you not doing it? I think it's more about that. Okay, God, yeah. Eric and Bruce defending Mrs. Harris goes to Paris a little bit. <laughs> yeah, how dare you, Greg? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you, cynical <laughs> bastard? I thought, man, I another complaint. This is not a Jalo film, and it's not directed by Brian De Palma or Dario Argento. I'm just trying to make up things to not like about Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. It, I can't. I okay. mean, th- look, th- this is a movie that people are gonna not like. Um, but Fair. like it, you know, it, it's like anything else. I, I don't like horror movies cool then don't watch the black phone i don't like movies about happy old ladies then don't watch the <laughs> happy old ladies <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i'm looking up oh oh miss harris it goes to paris is just a couple years older than us bruce how do i how do we feel about this right no but yeah she's then i'm ready for a trip i'm um i just um, gotta get my bet down on the right dog and i'm ready to go <laughs> oh my gosh yes as Eric Holmes says, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, is conflict-free. Let's just say this. And he specifically said she runs into things here and there. I do dis- slightly disagree. She doesn't run into things here and there. She gently skips by things here she and there. bumps into something bumps and then turns into- around and it's fine. You know, the, 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 the world is an ugly place. You know, it, it, it's, uh, yeah. And a lot of movies we see reflect that. Sometimes you just need a movie like Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris to come and give you a hug and go, it'll be okay, Debbie. Come and give you a Mrs. Harris a hug. And I'm like, oh, Miss Harris, you know what? Can I, let me buy you a dress. Let's go dancing. Yes. Very, this, very this, good. This, this is a, this is kind of like a, 
you know, this is a nice refreshing drink you need sometimes. You know, you've been you've been running around all day. It's real hot, sweaty, and you come home, and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Is that nice glass of ice water? That's like, oh fucking thank God. I agree. I had no idea I was missing this. Bruce and Eric, this is not me being facetious, but I actually think Mrs. Harris goes to Paris double bill with Phantom Thread would not be such a bad thing because A, Couture, and B, Leslie Manville. Am I off on this? Is it like watching day for night or night for day? <laughs> what What is this? Um, yeah, I, I would go Mrs. Harris goes to Paris and Amelie just because uh, like, if you want a little darkness, maybe go Lovely Still because Lovely Still is really happy through most of it until it's not. Um, okay. I, I won't give anything away on that for anyone that's seen it, but uh, yeah, okay. uh, this, is, this is. I say Mrs. Harris goes to Paris and Paddington too. Yeah, there very you go. good. I don't like you know. I'm kidding. I like it when Bruce and Eric counterpoint me with this. It's awesome. It's awesome. Awesome. So okay, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris for me. Five stars. Eric Holmes. Oh, you just wrote it already on yeah. your Google. Yeah, can you say it, Eric Holmes? What did What did you give it? Yeah, this movie's a five star banger. It, uh, again. Not going to be for everyone, not going to be for everyone all the time, but this movie serves a very specific function and what it's doing, it does it extremely well. Bruce, take take uh, take me I'm and Eric. It, I'm, uh, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Oh, wait, wait. It just became five. I uh, say, you know, that conflict was so fast. <laughs> I got over that conflict so fast. You know, I Bruce, I was expecting at least you or Eric to bring a little bit of just – you know, pessimism exists. You remember they talk about Sartre? I did. On, I gave you conflict. It? That four and a half star was a conflict. <laughs> I gave it to you. Okay. There were I some... for like half a second. I, can we can we say one more thing? We all gave it five stars. Miss Harris goes to Paris. I like how they actually inter, interweave a little bit of existential themes to it. Did you guys – the whole Jean-Paul Sartre thing, like being in – did you like that? Or... <laughs> it was so funny. It was like – it was like they said like – we like being existential. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone turns into a cockroach midstream in this movie. Really interesting Kafka-esque stuff. No, but that does not happen. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Five-star banger for all of us. I guess that's our, our top recommendation, along with Highway Patrolman. No disrespect to Repo Man. Next up is a movie called She Will. Now, this is – I don't uh, – how can I even describe this? It's a woman – Alice Krigga – she plays a, a woman who, her name is, I believe, what's Veronica Ghent, and she has undergone a double mastectomy, and she needs some, she needs to rest. She needs a little bit of rest. And so what happens is there's a young woman who ends up being a young nurse who ends up t- taking her on this really interesting journey out in the middle of kind of nowhere in this interesting remote cabin. That person, again, Alice Krieger, she plays Veronica Ghent, the, the woman who had the mastectomy, the double mastectomy. And Coda Eberhardt plays the young nurse. Her name's Desi. A lot of the movie, there are different people in this movie. There's Rupert Everett. We all know him. And there's a bunch of other people. But a lot of this movie is, there's Malcolm McDowell, who's he's prominently placed in this movie as well. But a lot of it is a, sort of a two-hander dynamic with She Will. It's a very visually immersive film directed by Charlotte Colbert. And uh, she is also a writer as well. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. I'm assuming it's Colbert. But again, I I'm, this is a very interesting movie. I, I have my own thoughts on it. And I'm really interested to see what Bruce and Eric, who are really ex- experts in the genre, feel and think. And I, I'm kind of secretly hoping that they both disagree on on uh, the on if she will works. Okay, and I'll have my own 
take on She Will. Let me start with Eric Holmes first on on this movie. It would be interesting to see what, if this movie connected with you. So I watched this almost immediately after Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, and that was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this is uh, of every <laughs> everything that Mrs. Harris goes to Paris is. This is the polar opposite of that movie. Um, it's fantastic to look at. It's got a bunch of really cool, like uh, uh, almost like uh, not dream sequences, but kind of uh, like abstract sequences. I suppose would be a better way to put it. Um, Clint Mansell does a score on this. Um, and yeah. I mean, he, he's always good. This is the fountain. I love the fountain. Yeah. The, yeah. This, this, the score in this thing is probably one of my favorites of the year. Easy. But as a movie, this, a lot of this went right over my head. I'm, I'm trying to think there was another, there was another movie that we saw that I liked. I enjoyed watching it, but at, like, as this is going on, at, this is just like, I, I need to put a catcher's mitt on my forehead to to pick up. I but think it, that's okay, right? It, if it goes over your head, is that is that an okay thing or is it? Yeah. Well, okay. the fuck. Actually, uh, I think uh, Long Walk did. Long Walk did uh, okay. a lot of that until I went and watched it three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times after that. <laughs> but um, this, uh, yeah, this one I had to go back. So I, I watched it. Give her like read a book. And you realize you've just read 10 pages and you have no idea what just happened in those 10 pages that you read. So you yeah. got to go back and read mm-hmm. the 10 pages again. I was doing right. a lot of that in this movie. Um, I, oh, I, that's I, tough. Yeah. I, I just kept constantly feeling lost. Like I, 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 I like the, you know, the, the caricatures, I guess I, I like the, the look of it. Um, I was shot by the same guy that did uh mothering Sunday, the same cinematographer oh, okay. for, for that too. Yeah. Um, Bruce loves that movie, Mothering Sunday. And, and you know, I, I, I love the pieces of it. It just wasn't, it wasn't connecting for me. And I don't, the ending I liked a lot. By the time I got to the end, it the ending really worked for me. It was just, um, I just constantly kept getting lost throughout the entire thing. I, I That's just so interesting. You said the ending works for you. Whenever something happens like that for me where the ending works it makes everything else a little bit upscaled and better. Yeah. Did, did you f- feel that way with She Will or so, did it save uh, it enough for you? I, I would say I like the ending um, kind of in a vacuum. Like it, it, if you clip the ending out as a short, I would be like, oh, that that's pretty cool. The stuff leading up to it, I'm still kind of lost on. And I'm hoping you guys can kind of pull me. <laughs> well, before I get to you, Bruce, I'm I'm just going to say that I, you know, obviously bias aside, I did interview Alice Kriga recently. You guys can check it out on the Cinematics podcast feed. And yeah, I ended up really liking the visuals. Maybe some of the stuff went over my head as well, but I really love the mood and the atmosphere of it. And I, I know this is big things to say, but I was thinking of our, our piece on Maya Darren. This is what I was feeling like if Maya Darren was alive today and she could get money to make her own film, this would, this basically, this is, she will as a mood and atmosphere and thematic kind of thing. And I love Alice Krieger in the lead role as well. It overall connected with me. In all fairness, though, I have a feeling that a lot of cinephiles will be right where Eric is on that train for she will. But I, this is something that really worked for me. And where where do you sit on this whole thing? Oh, I'm probably kind of closer to Eric. I, I I mildly recommend this one. I would say, um, 
I think there's a, a lot of visual and style and, and a really interesting vibe with this movie. I think that the story itself is just a little too abstract and incoherent to, to, to really put it over the top for me. And I kind of feel like that's where Eric's at too. This is one of those, okay, this is a rare movie where I think that being in the right altered state might really make this movie great for some people. Like, I, I think honestly, if, well, if it didn't give you such a bad trip and I don't do psychedelics, but I could see a person being on psychedelics and possibly this movie could blow them away. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot and let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it could also send you the wrong way too. I, I get what this movie's doing. I think this filmmaker could make a really great movie. I, I see yeah. a lot of stuff here with the right script and just kind of kind of tweaking it out a little bit, I could see this person doing something quite amazing because there is a lot to like here. And I like, I, once again, I think it's just the story itself isn't meaty enough to really pull me all the way through and, 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 and love it. But uh, a lot of it is really great. Oh, but I will make one comment. You cannot use the song goodbye horses in a movie anymore. Oh. That's impossible. <laughs> do not do that. It's been taken. It's done. <laughs> so Okay, I, th- so- I, th- I think we talked about that previously, like uh, like the Bannon or bam bam or whatever yeah, that no, Kill Bill song is. You can't or do like it. Really, <laughs> it's like if you hear a song and it's like, oh, that's the song from blah 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 movie. Don't use that song. Yeah, <laughs> fair fair on that. So for me, she will get a solid recommend. Again, mood, atmosphere, and it goes for the themes. And a lot of it is like Eric was saying. A lot of it is, it is abstract. I found it to be very visually. Alluring, enticing, immersive. This is a four-star film for me. Eric, what do you, what do you give this? What is your rating on I think, She Will? I think this is, uh, I, I, like right now I'm going between a three and a three and a half, but this could grow uh, once I take a bunch of mushrooms and watch it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like I said, it didn't quite, it didn't quite click, but it might later on. So right now we'll just go three stars with the uh, okay, three stars Girl, as we say but yeah th- this is not this is not a bad movie and like bruce said uh i, I want to see the filmmakers other movies going forward because cool. th- th- this one's certainly interesting enough to pique my interest yes uh bruce is your interest peaked yeah you're saying you're, you're peaked with, with as far as the director's talent as well yeah absolutely and I, i'm three star as well with and, and I, I think this is a vibe movie this is a movie, if you're in the vibe, it's going to just carry you away. Yeah. And it's one of those movies where you literally just almost don't need to think about it. You don't want to think about it. You want to just go with it. But And if it works with you that way, it's going to it's gonna work. But three stars for me. Yeah. So I, one of these days, I'm going to recommend that all of us see the movie from the Quay Brothers called Institute Benjamenta, which is, is sort of German expressionism cinema, black and white. I can't wait to to actually foist these foist that movie on you guys again. My, again, it's with Alex Krieger and Mark Rylance. That'd be really interesting to see what you guys think of that movie. Anyway, she will. It is in theaters in on July fifteenth. Again, the lead is Alice Krieger. All right. So now, before we get into our box of the of what's in the box, I just have a quick couple couple of comments. Bruce or Eric, Persuasion on Netflix, it's headlined by Dakota Johnson. The movie is based on the novel Persuasion by Jane Austen. Quote, eight years after Anne Elliot was persuaded not to marry a dashing man of humble origins, they meet again. Will she seize her second chance at true love? Again, Dakota Johnson is Anne Elliot, the dashing man of humble origins. His name, he is played by actor Cosmo Jarvis. That man is, his name is Wentworth. So what happens is 
They separate eight years. And eight years later, Wentworth returns. He is actually now not broke. He is a man of actually good means. And she's still carrying that heartache. But will she end up with Wentworth or will Anne Elliot actually fail? Not fail. Will she not um, fulfill her romance with Wentworth? Obviously, there's not too many spoilers with Persuasion. It's, it's, a, it's a movie that's been done before. Sally Hawkins actually played Anne Elliot in an earlier iteration in that movie with Sally Hawkins co-starred Alice Krieger. So that came out, I think, either 2007 or 2008. And the director of Cordelia, the movie that I was the only one who liked it, that was directed by Adrian Shergold. He did a version of Persuasion. My question to you, Bruce and Eric, is but this movie also stars Richard E. Grant and Harry Golding. Does this feel like a movie that you guys will watch on Netflix in the coming days or weeks? Is it, or, is, or is Jane Austen not... Uh, in any of your kind of purview as far as watching? Um, probably not, but maybe. <laughs> probably not. I, okay, so witness to the prosecution. Oh, how about this? Don't you love Dakota Johnson? I, I, I do, actually. She's, she's, been, she's been making some pretty good uh, choices as of late. Mm-hmm. It's almost like she did the Fifty Shades movement. It's like, I got to get that. Or she did the Robert Pattinson thing where it's like, I got to get the stink of that off me, so. I don't know. Oh. Actually, maybe I will check it out. We'll oh, you see. might. Oh, yeah. I, I'm. I don't worry. I won't hold you to that, Eric Holmes. We have a lot of movies to see here, here over at Find Your Film. Bruce, has she generated any kind of goodwill from the peanut butter falcon cha cha real smooth from you that to make you want? It's Jane Austen. It's it, one of the most celebrated writers of not our day, but of of all time. What's what's keeping uh, you from persuasion? I'll have to be convinced that she's good in a period piece. I I don't doesn't feel like her wheelhouse to me, but maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah? yeah, you don't think Dakota Johnson is going to be better than, let's say, Kira Knightley or or Emma Thompson or Vanessa Redgrave? None of these or Maggie Smith. You don't think I, she's? I have, uh, I have my doubts. You have, <laughs> have my doubts. doubts. You have your doubts. It'll be interesting, Bruce. Because look, Bruce, what are you doing? You, you know, you're you could have watched Persuasion. I could have gotten you a link for it, but you you watch all. The, what did you see? What was that war movie that you saw that was so harrowing? And so oh, it's two and a half hours. Come and what? Come and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's yeah. a. So you, you take come and see over over a Jane Austen romance. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you had a chance between the Painted Bird or Persuasion, and you had to you had to see one or the other, Persuasion, Persuasion. Okay, there, thousand that, percent. That, that's a thousand percent. So, very my my quick mini review on this is: Does Dakota Johnson does she work in a period piece, period drama? Yeah, I'm surprised. Look, is she Vanessa Redgrave? Right? Is she maybe even Sally Hawkins? I I, I imagine Vanessa Redgrave or Sally Hawkins in this movie. In a type movie, in a Jane Austen movie, before I, I imagine Dakota Johnson, but a lot of talent and personality goes a long way. She does a really good job as the lead, and yeah, Anne Elliot, and she, it's sort of a modern day take, right? So it's directed by Carrie Cracknell, and yeah, you have different uh, colors of the rainbow playing different parts in this movie. So it, I love the modern take on. Um, on persuasion. And here's the thing. I'm not a big Jane Austen expert. So I don't know. I've never seen the story of persuasion before. I've never read the book. I'm not a reader like Eric Holmes. Bruce and I, we, we barely read, right? You and I barely read. So barely, barely. I but just you read like, posts on Facebook. That's reading. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that is reading. That is reading. No, I ended up really enjoying persuasion. And again, the director, Carrie Cracknell, it's, 
it's a move. It's a movie that really moves. There's some really interesting. I love the flow and the pace of persuasion. It, it doesn't drag at all. It was exciting. It's a nice period piece, drama, romance. It has a share of really nice moments as well. Henry Golding as well. He's very good in this movie, as is Richard E. Grant. Really just worth a watch. This is a solid recommend. I would give this out of five stars. I would give this three and a half stars. Dakota Johnson, again, if you like her, you, you're like Bruce earlier said on a certain movie, your mileage may vary. If you are a Dakota Johnson fan, you're going to appreciate her work in this film. And I am a fan and I really enjoyed Persuasion. Three and a half out of five stars. So that is our featured reviews for this week on Find Your Film. What is in the box? Before we get into the box, Eric Holmes, I forgot who who plays what we've been talking. Do we do we need a music segment right now on our segment? Is there someone I, who can help us? I, I think we do need a um, music. You have any ideas? You know, Pete's pretty good. Maybe is it good? Pete, yeah, you know, I'm th- I'm thinking maybe Pete can drop that beat. Oh, okay, Pete, drop that, Bruce. Beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No. What's in the fucking box? All right, we're back. I uh, which what's in the box? What's in the box? When Bruce is not in the box, Bruce, you're not in the box this week. What's going on? I failed. I failed. I didn't get. I didn't get to the movie. Uh, probably spending too much time with two and a half hour Russian war movies. So it, Eric, it's all Eric. He's all got Eric. the love. I have no love. Don't ever. Don't ever expect Deploy. me to help you out. I'll help you out on a pinch, Bruce Berkey. Only trust Eric in this situation. Eric Holmes doing extra duty this week on Find Your Film with Love. What is this movie? Love. Tell us about it. So I couldn't remember if it was the Angels and Airwaves movie or the Gaspar No movie, but I think we covered the Angels and Airwaves one, so I'm assuming it was the Gaspar No one. So that's what I, hey, Gaspar Noe, because yes. um, there's a uh, there's a, they say the name a couple there's a character named Gaspar and there's a uh, character named Noe, so I'm guessing that's what his name is. Love is, um, I mean, we just talked about Mrs. Harris goes to Paris and smooths a lot like that, but with like full penetration. Oh, <laughs> really? Is, is there couture there? Is there couture in, in love? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, it, it, it's not at all like Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Um, it's it. So it's a uh, guy and he's with his wife and kid and they're just doing day to day things, but there's voiceover. So it's like, honey, can you grab that? And then, like, he's like, yeah, sure. And then you just hear the voiceover going, "Fucking bitch, I can't believe I'm stuck with you." Too. You know, and so you get you get to hear his, uh, you can hear that he resents his family. And then it kind of flashes back to a woman he was with before, and it kind of does a, a similar thing to uh, Blue Valentine, or. Actually, almost the entire movie is a flashback leading up to him where he got with his family. Um, this movie has, well, first of all, uh, if you like porn, oh boy, this is this has fucking going on all day long in this movie, and yeah. it look it looks pretty fantastic. So you know, thumbs up there. Um, but the main character is a, a raving douchebag. Um, oh, I wanted no. to, <laughs> so I wanted to kind of choke him, but at the same time, it, you know, it, it does the same thing. Like when we talked with Alex Cox, like 
Alex Cox takes like flawed characters, but makes them interesting, even to the point where you're kind of rooting for him in a weird way. But I, yeah, I was not rooting for the main character. He's uh, just a fucking shithead through and through. But you know, it, it's still you know that that doesn't dismiss the fact that this movie's pretty good character study and a uh, kind of abstract at times character study because uh, uh, there's certain times where it kind of feels a little bit of maybe like Nicholas winning ref and doing uh, his version of tree of life, but you know, or it, it does that weird um, kind of dream kind of things, dream editing sometimes, not all the time, but yeah, this is, it, it's, it's also funny in parts. Uh, there's, yeah, there's good stuff. Check it out. If you like <laughs> fucking uh, avoid it, if you cannot stand, following a complete shithead the entire time <laughs> with like almost no redeeming value. And the ending was very sad's not the right word because it implies things that doesn't happen. The ending's pathetic. Like that that probably be the better way to put it. But yeah, this is a very interesting movie. Very good movie. Uh but it's it's tough to sit through. And not because the movie's bad, but just because the character is such a piece of garbage. <laughs> Okay. Wow. So, so like I said, like Miss Harris goes to Paris, but with more fucking. <laughs> so you you wait. Put this put is, that on the thing. <laughs> is okay. So this is a digital purchase that you got, or uh, yeah, what voodoo? I think voodoo? It was voodoo. Yeah, voodoo. Yeah. Rented it off of voodoo. I think it's like three bucks, four bucks, something like cool. that. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. So that is Eric Holmes's What's in the Box review of Love from Gaspar Noe. Yes, sir, Eric uh, Holmes. Apparently, this was on Netflix for like the longest time. They must have just taken it off recently. Okay. But when I was looking for it, it was like, oh, it's on Netflix. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm looking and I don't see it. But okay. um, I, I, uh, uh, Bruce mentioned I should probably check Pornhub. And it would <laughs> totally make sense if this was on Pornhub. Um, yeah, never but, heard of that Go to the go to the search bar and write love and see what you come up with. It's, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't go through all uh, sixty nine pages to see if I could find this. Very good. Okay, so that thank you, Eric Holmes, for for your review on what's in the box. Speaking of which, what's in the box for next week? Shake, shake. What's all in right, the box? Let's please? see. What's in the box? All right, here we go. Oh, oh my gosh. It's finally happened. Okay. Do you guys remember at the beginning of the year, there's a little twist on some of the things I added to the box. Do you guys remember what that twist was? Uh-uh. A person could submit their name to the box. And if their name gets picked out, not only do they get to pick the movie, that they get to come on the show and talk uh, about it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, who was in the box? And Because uh, well, I'm guessing they didn't get much air in there. Go figure. Uh, Peter Beta. Peter Beta is, got oh, there you go. picked out of the box. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So Does it, this mean Pete's going to tell himself to drop the beat? <laughs> yes, I think it is. I think it does mean he's going to do that. I'll have the, to talk to him and, and arrange it. I think the it, universe we'll is going to implode on itself. <laughs> so I'll have to arrange it the next day or so. I'll find out what's in the box, uh, what he's putting in the box, and uh, try to arrange that to happen and uh, see if we can all see whatever he suggests we watch. Yes, very good. By the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but yeah, Peter Beta, our buddy over at Middle Class Film Class, with again with Joseph Navarro and Tyler Noe. Did you guys know that they're they're just absolutely killing it on TikTok? Did you know? Did you guys know this? I heard. I've, oh, I've you heard, heard of TikTok. Well, let me tell you. Okay, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm not an old man. I don't understand your new technology. Tiki talkie. This Tiki talkie. Okay, so I'm gonna give you guys. 
Do you guys know anything about TikTok? Bruce, Eric, a little bit? Do you I know, know it's a thing that you, you know, do videos for like three seconds or something like that. I, I have no idea. You know what? You could hear this, but look at some of their stuff. I'm going to look. How much do you think their their um, view count is on, on some of the videos that they put out? I'm going to look at it right now. Uh, 69 million. 100,000. Oh, are you just making up these, na- these, these numbers? These yeah. are really high numbers. No, their last video, they did a spoiler of Don't Tell a Soul, and it received 11.6 million views 11 no 11.6 thousand oh, it's like 11.6 million <laughs> I was like, not far like, off. yeah 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 but 13.1 k the 13.1 thousand so but that's still a lot still okay. a lot so anyways we're gonna we can talk to pete about a lot of that stuff next week and he's gonna be a guest he's got yeah definitely bruce get it on the case and figure out what it will his what will mm-hmm. his pick be for for what's in the box but speaking of my pick in two weeks we're gonna have another director spotlight Eric, what was your pick? Your pick, your first pick was Jules Dassin four weeks yeah. ago. And Bruce, we just finished Alice Cox. Mine is this director who's not really well known unless you're someone like a Joseph Bridges or Ken, Ken Cunningham from our cinematics Facebook group. The director's name is J. Lee Thompson. And the movies we are going to be covering are The Guns of Navarone and Return from the Ashes. Bad news is both of these are not available on streaming and they are not free. They will, they are all on digital and they will cost you $69 to download each, each one of them. So nice. Eric, hopefully, price. hopefully you guys, listeners, please support us at find your film podcast.com Buy some of our merch. My, by the way, my, my merch, my shirt and my mug, my two shirts and mugs are coming soon. So by, by next week you'll have, hopefully you'll have me and find your film regalia. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for that. But actually, they're not $69 each. If you're listening, folks, if you're listening right now to this part, well, for these, for the Guns of Navarone, as of this recording, as of this recording, it is available for free on Netflix. If you have Netflix, the Guns of Navarone and Return from the Ashes, it's a Blu-ray from Kino Lorber, Lorber that I recently purchased on sale. But Eric and Bruce, as of right now, you can find it. Just type in Return from the Ashes. It will be available for free on YouTube. So a couple of free free movies. We'd love to hear which. And the reason why, I'm going to say it right now before we sign off, the reason why I picked Jerry Thompson is The Guns of Navarone. I'm sure both of you have heard about this movie. It's a hit hit movie. Return from the Ashes is a very interesting movie that hopefully both of you will find at least might have some merit. But then later in his life, he ended up just directing Charles Bronson movies. (laughs) <laughs> and it's weird. He and and he admitted that, hey, you know what? My early stuff were really critically acclaimed, but then that last chapter, it was just making about it's about making money and doing those Charles Bronson films. So it'll be interesting part one to see J. Lee Thompson in his earlier earlier years. And then what's interesting, I think it's either Joseph Bridges or Ken Cunningham from our Facebook group. He they started covering some of J. Lee Thompson's other movies. If you've, if you've seen from our thread, they talked about some of these Charles Bronson movies. And who knows, maybe one day we'll get to reviewing some of those Charles Bronson movies as well. So that is J. Lee Thompson, The Guns of Navarone, and Return from the Ashes. That is it. Eric, fi- final uh, thoughts from you, Eric Holmes, aka Bruce Berge. Any final thoughts? Yeah, the uh, Derek Silkman and Tony Bonacci's uh, their crowdfunding campaign for the headliner is yeah. uh, coming to an end. Uh, they're getting close, but uh, maybe if uh, I, I believe so, it's Wednesday now as we're recording this. I believe they got four more days, so maybe by Sunday. So if you got some bucks that you can throw at it, please do so, and okay. uh, hopefully they get their uh, you know their crowdfunding is a success and they get to make their movie. And that's okay. just one more banger we get to watch. 
We will, we will, uh, Eric Holmes will leave the, the, those links over at our show notes for Find Your Film. Again, uh, that is uh, the headliner. Check it out and um, support. Speaking of support, Bruce Perky, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I will give us a quote from Highway Patrolman, and that is no matter what, there's always an infraction. <laughs>